folks. Uh, welcome to the Fallon Forum. That's our brother Trucker and their tune downtown kicking us off for our conversation here, broadcasting live from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. We're here at the uh, studios of Lorena, 1260 AM, and, excuse me, 96.5 FM. <laughs> excuse me. So, um, yeah, before we, uh, later in the program, we're going to be talking about the the, uh, the unfortunate politici- politicizing of uh, Molly Tibbetts' murder. We'll also be talking about the uh, Trump appointee to the, the uh, National uh, fi- the Financial Protection Bureau, uh, and how that uh, entity originally established to try to protect consumers might be doing just the opposite. We'll also talk about how uh, some kid in Florida was able to hack into a voting site and um, you know demonstrate just how unsafe our electoral electoral system might be. But first, um, got to tell you about the uh, First Nation Farmer Climate Unity March. This is coming up uh, mighty soon. It starts on September first, and the uh, you know. To think about walking is such a simple and basic and natural thing. It's hard to imagine that organizing a walk that involves a lot of people can take a heck of a lot of effort. And the unfortunate irony is that uh, when you're putting putting together a march that is focused on, in part, trying to uh, address the climate crisis, you unfortunately end up burning a fair bit of carbon. Uh, now that said, uh, despite uh, it's still it's still probably less carbon burn than the average carbon footprint. But the cool thing about this particular march is the uh, folks who've uh, been responsible for logistics, led by Sarah Spain, have um, have done a great job at finding things uh, that we can use that don't increase our carbon footprint. For example. Uh, most, if not all, of our power needs are going to be provided by a solar collector. Uh, this is a solar collector we're getting from uh, Derek Nelson, a local contractor here in Des Moines. We've used it before. It works really well. In fact, uh, I've seen it power as many as 30 phones and cell phones, uh, sorry, cell phones and computers, and also a pretty uh, energy, you know, sucking, um, what's it called, a solar refrigerator. So these things are not, um, uh, you know, are, are a great way to cut, some, cut down some of the uh, cost of our, um, our, our, our footprint. So the, um, some of the other things that, the, um, that we'll be doing is we have a commode vehicle that also is a shower stall. It's a solar shower stall, so that um, that uh, folks can just uh, you know not have to worry about uh, any of the day after being out on the road all dusty and dirty without uh, being able to clean up a bit and be being able to do so with uh, a solar shower. So, um, in addition to that, we'll be trying to cook uh, some of our food. Uh, well, if we can get a hold of these at the last minute, some solar ovens. We've used those before; they work pretty well, and. Um, we do have a bus, uh, the Veggie Thumper bus, Lissa Waits bus, that is providing uh, providing uh, all the uh, food we need, and um, and we have about thirty five people who are participating in this. So there's a lot of logistics to do, a lot of talent that goes into uh, bringing all these pieces together, and I appreciate having a great team of people who are working with uh, Indigenous Iowa and Bold Iowa uh, to make it happen. And um, again, we'll be walking ninety four miles. It's uh, no small undertaking. And uh, folks will be sleeping in tents. And the whole focus of this, of course, uh, if you've been following this at all in the news, the whole focus is the Landowner Sierra Club lawsuit. We're trying to get people to understand that this lawsuit uh, filed by nine landowners and the other portion of that lawsuit filed by the Sierra Club could do uh, could actually stop the pipeline from running oil across Iowa. And if it stops it running across Iowa, then it also stops running across North Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, and Illinois, and so this is a big deal. This is a very big deal, and um, and the um, you know the the the, the march is important, relevant to the lawsuit because there hasn't been as much discussion about this lawsuit as there should be, given the historic uh, nature of the event. So uh, we hope to use something dramatic, um, you know, very visual, 
uh, showing how you know Native communities, farmers, environmentalists all have a lot in common when it comes to these issues, and to use that opportunity to raise awareness about the importance of this lawsuit. And we'll have a community forum every night. So folks uh, living along the route between Des Moines and Fort Dodge, you're invited to join us. Uh, actually, you, you don't have to live along the route. You can come from somewhere else and join us if you want. But, but, but we'll, they need to walk there. No, they can probably uh, they can probably bike there or use a private helicopter, whatever. Now the uh, we'll have um, we'll have a we'll have a meal at five o'clock, again provided by Veggie Thumper, and uh, we'll also have a forum after that where a a farmer, local farmer, and one of our native uh, leaders will lead a conversation about about the importance of uh, protecting our land, water, climate. Uh, from the abuse of eminent domain to build fossil fuel pipelines and other elements of the fossil fuel expansion. So um, we hope you'll uh, we'll hope you'll come out to uh, to the camp. Again, that'll be September first through eighth, starting in Des Moines. And you can find a complete list of the uh, of the sites, the campsites, and the places we're going. It's all on the boldiowa.com website, and that's important, boldiowa.com. There is a .org. Ignore that one. That, that doesn't exist anymore. Boldiowa.com is where you'll find information about this uh, this March and information on how to participate if you want. Because, yeah, again, we, we'd welcome. We just had a new person sign up today for most of the March. Uh, so if there are folks who still want to do that, we have capacity for 50 people. We're at 35, so if you'd like to uh, join, uh, please do. It's a, it's a great way to, um, to raise your voice about what is uh, the, the, probably the biggest challenge our species has ever faced. Uh, uh, through our own doing, of course, uh, climate is changing, and uh, if we're going to do something about it and prevent a catastrophic impact on life on this earth, we uh, we need to get our act together immediately, and one of the big first steps, of course, is to stop the um, stop uh, expanding fossil fuel projects, and to, if we can, in the case of this uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline, stop the oil from flowing across Iowa. And again, um, there are there are this sort of thing is happening all over the country. There's the Mariner East Pipeline. There's the Bayou Bridge Pipeline, which is an extension of the Dakota Access Pipeline. And so as we um, as we uh, move forward on this particular issue, on this particular court case and the march to raise awareness about that court case, we need to be thinking about these other um, issues and how they affect, uh, how they play into the, the almost, um, you know, the, 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 I want to call it disgusting attempt to radically expand the production of fossil fuels from, from the U.S. Uh, you know, again, not only is this not what our planet needs at this time, but it's been a huge, um, huge has had a huge effect on landowners, on farmers, on the water and land that they and others depend on, and um, we we've got to, we've got to do something about it. Um, we got to do something about it now, and um, hopefully, what we do here in Iowa with this uh, this march will be a part of that. I should add too that the conclusion of the march in Fort Dodge is going to be a big event. We uh, we plan a celebratory rally at uh, two o'clock. Uh, at the um, at the uh, City Square Park at 424 Central Avenue in Fort Dodge, uh, a great local band, uh, uh, Brutal Republic, is going to be playing. We're excited about that. And uh, again, we'll have food. We'll have a you know a few speeches from some of the marchers, uh, and just a fun way to celebrate having accomplished something significant and looking forward to hopefully seeing the Iowa Supreme Court accomplish something significant with a favorable ruling on this lawsuit. So, um, yeah, join us uh, for any and all of this. Uh, again, you can march with us. You can join us for the kickoff in Des Moines at 9 o'clock on September 1st at the Iowa Utilities Board. You can walk with us the first day from Birdland Marina up toward, uh, toward Ankeny. Uh, or and you can join us at any point of the march and, of course, for the uh, grand finale in Fort Dodge on September 8th, which is also the national, actually international day of, uh, of action on climate called Rise for Climate. Uh, all over the country, all over the world, there are, I think, uh, several hundred events planned that focus on September 8th as a day where, uh, where rising to take action on climate change is, uh, is, uh, is being foc- is being, um, being uh the the uh, the motivation behind uh, continuing to move forward after that. So um, again, much is happening. Go to the boldiowa.com website and you'll learn more about it. Um, Charles is in the studio with us. Uh, yeah, sorry to be late. Yeah, that's okay. Um, we're going to be uh, coming back shortly, and we're going to be talking about a few things that um, that uh, 
that don't have anything to do with climate change uh, immediately, but certainly have a lot to do with the the sanity and sanctity of our government, including the unfortunate politicizing of Molly Tibbetts' murder, uh, also how Trump's appointee to the... uh, Financial Protection Bureau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the consumer financial. He looks pretty, pretty suspicious. And we'll also talk about some kid in Florida who hacked into a voting site. In Um, 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. And that makes us a little nervous, or sure. We'll be back in a minute, folks, on the Fallon Forum. And go, if you're listening on the Facebook uh, live stream, uh, we're going to cut that off now. Take calls at 515 528 8122. That's 528 8122. And you can continue to follow the program online at the Fallon Forum website. That's FallonForum.com. Gateway Market and Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the lively cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 246-8149. That's 246-8149. Community CPA and Associates, with locations in Des Moines and Coralville, is the perfect place to go for all of your tax and accounting needs. Community CPA offers a wide array of services, from tax planning to business IT solutions. Call Community CPA today at 515-288-3188 or visit www.communitycpa.com for more information. Hi folks, it's Ed Fallon reminding you that you can eat Iowa-grown food all winter long at Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village. Over 90% of the food served at Hawk comes from Iowa farms and their dishes are amazing. I once brought a guy there from New York and he was blown away by the experience. He said it was like any fine dining you'd enjoy in Greenwich Village, but at one-fourth the price. So don't go all the way to to New York City when you can enjoy gourmet dining prepared with Iowa-grown food at Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village. Ritual Cafe is located at 13th and Locust in beautiful downtown Des Moines. It's a great place for coffee, tea, smoothies, and a full vegetarian menu. Ritual Cafe also features music on the weekends. For more information, call Ritual Cafe at 515-288-4872. That's 515-288-4872. When it's time to entertain, think of Gateway Market to handle all the details. Gateway offers a wide variety of stress-free options like our cut-to-order cheese and charcuterie and delicious olive bar and a wide variety of chef-prepared dips and spreads. Or let our catering team take care of the entire event, right down to the wine and beer pairings. Our expert floral designers can even customize perfect centerpieces. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more information. Gateway Market. Good food, great entertaining. Hey folks, welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. Uh, Charles Goldman here with me, Ed Fallon, your host uh, for the program today. We're uh, we're going to be talking later about um, Trump's appointment to the uh, the uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. That's uh, uh, Kathy Carringer and uh, concerns about that. We'll also talk about a kid who hacked into a voting site in ten minutes and kind of demonstrated just how vulnerable. Our election system is, but first, uh, an Iowa story that has gone national: the the horrible uh, murder of Molly Tibbetts um, has been, prior, perhaps not surprisingly, politicized, and uh, this is a great concern. And um, and I don't know where it's going to lead. There are those. I, I was talking to one political insider recently who was telling me that he thinks it's going to mean the entire transformation of the election uh, this fall. Well, that's what Newt Gingrich said. 
Yeah, okay, well, Newt yeah. Gingrich said that. Well, this was somebody on the political yeah. left. Yeah, well, Newt Gingrich said that if Molly Tibbetts is still being talked about in October, that the Democrats are in trouble. And, and so if Newt Gingrich said that, you can bet that he and the the uh, the the, uh, the hate mongers on the on the political right on, on radio and elsewhere are going to be are going to be pushing that. Well, yeah, I mean, the uh, fact that they arrested this gentleman for the murder occurred about four o'clock in the afternoon. Within twenty minutes, Governor Reynolds was already talking about how this was a uh, crime that was caused by our deficient immigration system. Uh, followed, of course, by President Trump that evening in his favorite place to go where he can get all the adulation he wants in West Virginia because he never goes anywhere where anyone disagrees with him. Um, and um, he spoke about it, again, as an immigration issue. And then the sad decline of Senator Grassley. Oh, that, becoming, that, 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 uh, that yeah. decline has been going on right. for uh, so over he, a decade he and, now. So he and Senator Ernst both also linked it as an immigration issue. But Steve King, interestingly, Steve King did, did not. not. <laughs> he made it a religious issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he made it an issue about, uh, about faith and prayer and, and, uh, and, and uh, implicitly uh, the superiority of Christianity. Well, I, 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 think that, I think a number of – there's a number of very interesting things that have come out of this. First of all – uh, one thing that's been very interesting is how adamant Molly Tibbetts family has been right. to to acknowledge that this has nothing right. to do with immigration, nor does it have to do with race. A murderer is a murderer. Yeah. Um, it's not as though, uh, you know, it, we live in a country where when was the last time or how often do you see serial killers be anything but white men? How often do you see school shooters be anything but white kids? Yeah. Um, but you know when when people the one that the, the killing in Jacksonville this right weekend, for just example, a, yeah, you know. at, at this uh, gaming convention right those people are treated as deranged right? right because that's the problem now right we don't need gun control because it's just a matter of people who commit these murders are mentally ill but when someone of color commits a murder it's always about their race now. The other thing that's interesting is, you know, almost immediately, what was the reaction of the realists here, besides Tibbetts' family saying, evil is evil, um, to point out that undocumented immigrants do not, in fact, as best we can tell, statistically commit murders at any higher rate. In fact, it well, appears... Well, it's about 30% of the rate that... It that, appears to be, but, yeah. but the... the, the since that is not always information available, they're right, using, sure, sure. They're using yeah. it basically on issues. Uh, they, they basically say, well, how many undocumented uh, immigrants are jailed for murder? You know, so or the fact that obviously there's been an influx of immigrants in this country over the last 15 years, but violent crime is at its lowest rate in four decades. So that doesn't, you know, those are interesting. Except in Chicago. Right. But, but let, me, <laughs> let me just read you something that in the same article, because USA Today, and it was in the Des Moines Register, that was their reaction the next day. Let's talk facts. Let's not talk about MS-13, which as far as Trump knows is the only gang in the United States. Let's not talk about the fact that the uh, drugs coming across the border pale in comparison to the drugs that are stolen prescription drugs that are stolen or mishandled in this country as a cause of the opioid problem. Right. Um, let's not talk about his favorite trading partner, that the fentanyl that comes in this country is almost all derived from labs in China. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily come in through the southern border. But um, <laughs> So in, in this USA Today article, which again was reprinted in the Des Moines Register, they have a Jessica Vaughn of the Center for Immigration Studies, a group that has advised the White House on ways to limit legal and illegal immigration. Well, we obviously know what their take on the Tibbetts murder is going to be. Right, right. Um, and she pointed out that all of the research contains significant flaws. Um, but... When she was asked, when they researched the question, they concluded it was impossible to determine whether immigrants commit crimes at a higher rate than the native-born. So even their research couldn't prove it one way or the other. Right. However, it doesn't matter to them. Because they point out Kate Steinle, you know, was one of these women who Trump, you know, dredged up for the campaign and, and took her around to show how dangerous having undocumented immigrants in the country yeah. are. Um, it doesn't matter. Because she says, I'm sure that 
Kate Steinle's parents don't care one bit whether the crime rate in San Francisco is higher or lower than anywhere else because San Francisco's a sanctuary well, yeah, but, city. And, 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 you know, the, the bottom line here is no intelligent thinking person who pays attention would disagree that our immigration system needs reform. Right, but there's no direct link between right, yeah. the immigration system and the fact that Molly Tibbetts was so unfortunate. And again, and again no, 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 no person who's thinking and paying attention would disagree with the statement that our our our, our, our systems regulating guns needs control need, needs reform. Oh, okay, maybe. Well, in this case, it's moot. There's a handful it, it, that do, yeah, it, it, but, uh, it, but it doesn't appear he used the gun. No, I know, but I'm, I'm saying you know we we have we have uh, we have folks on the uh, the, the pro NRA crowd who criticize anybody for saying, after a school shooting, saying, hey, maybe we need to talk about gun control now. They accuse people, they accuse those folks of politicizing that tragedy. And yet, here are the same, some of the same people who are politicizing this tragedy by by trying to hype up anti-immigrants. Well, let, let, let's go back to what you started this segment with, which is the issue of why why would this be a provocative issue to continue to be ramped up by the Republicans. And right. there's a very... <clears throat> the election. Yeah, a very interesting piece in uh, Atlantic in which, entitled, Why Trump Supporters Believe He's Not Corrupt. And what they, what they point out is, is that the Trump supporter doesn't really care about corruption as we understand it. Right. So to you and me, money laundering, paying off women who he slept with, you know, the non-disclosure agreements, Tom Price's, you know, uh, stock transactions problems. Hunter, you know, out in California using campaign funds and then claiming they were charitable deductions to pay for his rabbit (laughs) to be transported across the country. To you and me, that's corruption. Right, right. But to the Trump voter, they see corruption as tradition. So what Trump is, is defending is tradition. And what is his tradition here? The tradition is defending white women from non-white men. It's the South all over again. Or defending white men from any woman that might want to, uh, you know, complain about being sexually harassed. Or- right. And then that, it, part, of, part of that same tradition is to see somebody like a Hillary Clinton as corrupt Preponderantly, because she's an uppity female who's seeking power, and so they see what what President Trump is doing is is actually defending tradition, and he's defending tradition here because Molly Tibbetts is a white woman who's victimized by a non-white, you know, by a non-white uh, attacker, and they don't care about the corruption that we care about. That's why they don't care about Michael Cohen, or the you know what's going to come out from the CFO of the Trump organization being. Right. Given immunity, so Newt Gingrich's uh, claim that this will affect the election pretty much is a commitment to the right, and, and they have a lot of firepower to throw at this. Between money from the Koch brothers, the, again, the the absolute dominance of commercial radio, present company excluded. You know, you've got you've got Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Savage. Well, fo- remember, you've Fox got led Glenn with, Beck and Fox led with Molly Tibbetts as their top story the day that both Cohn. Turn state's evidence right. and Manafort's conviction. And the Des Moines Register has also led with it as its top story for three weeks now. You know? But it's that's true. But it's a local no. story, right? But there's a sidebar of this that uh, that troubles a lot of uh, the the people I work with, uh, Native American folks who who uh, point out factually that you know the incidence of missing and murdered women among indigenous communities is is higher than the national average by by a disturbing amount. Right. And, and that yet, was, that and was yet, sort of publicized by Wind River. That right. And, and yet, they, yet, though, and, I, and again, this is not, this is not, this is to take nothing away from uh, the fact that Molly Tibbetts and her family and, and the local press did everything they could to try to help find out what happened. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that, and a, and a matter of concern, that we, we don't put the same level of priority on the uh, Native American community and, again, the very high and disturbing rate of well, disappearance and murder in that community. Because most people are heavily influenced by recency and proximity. And and they don't understand that you can't reason from anecdote. Well, it's not just reason and proximity. It's also race. Well, yeah, but that's what uh, I understand that. And that's what we've already said. Okay. Which is, is, is that it's traditional racial views and traditional views of females 
that um, motivate a lot of the people who find Trump to be no problem at all. Mm. Well, his, his approval rating is exactly the same this week as it was last week, in spite of all of the corruption that you and I would have a problem with. Well, the strongest thing we have going for us in terms of maintaining some sanity in this discussion, if Newt Gingrich and others want to politicize this, especially with an eye toward having it affect the November election, uh, possibly the strongest um, uh, counter argue, you know, counterpoint to that is for the Tibbetts family to continue to uh, say what they've been saying about the importance of, uh, of keeping race. You mean like the Gold Star parents did it during the campaign? Uh, you're going to have to re- refresh our, 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 our listeners on that one. Well, the, the father who spoke at the Democratic Convention about his son. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Hey, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to continue our conversation. Dr. Charles Goldman and myself, we're going to be talking about uh, how Trump has uh, just appointed somebody, nominated somebody to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And this is raising lots of concerns about payday loans, about consumers being gouged, in particular also about how it might affect uh, veterans and and folks serving in the military. We'll be back in a minute, folks, on the Fallon Forum. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here as we broadcast from Des Moines, Iowa. From the studios of Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. Okay, so um, Mick Mulvaney has been the interim director of the Consumer uh, Financial Protection Bureau. That was set up back in 2008 to kind of in response to the financial crisis to (coughs) protect consumers from some of the crazy stuff that banks were doing. Uh, And one of those protections was to prevent payday loan companies from gouging consumers. Well, apparently Mulvaney is getting a lot of criticism for doing a lousy job. And apparently his... Um, well, Mulvaney and um, Mick Mulvaney and his deputy, uh, Ms. Craninger, who is going to be um, likely um, taking his directorship, um, feel that in spite of the fact that it's called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, that their role is to be and she said in, in the hearings this week, to be as pro-business as possible. because <laughs> But that's not why it was set up. Correct. That's why it has the word consumer in it. Right. You would think that somebody who um, is going to take over an agency where consumer is in the name would be thinking that perhaps the interests of the consumer should be put first. But no. Um, you know, and, and since its uh, institution, the uh, CFPB, uh, has uh, taken on about 60,000 complaints in the student loan area just alone and overall has recovered about $750 million for complaints against various financial institutions, including payday lenders, who we really shouldn't be calling financial institutions. We should just call them loan sharks because that's what they are. <laughs> right. Um, but that, I mean, that, that's why uh, – that, 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 that right there says, explains why well, Trump is – has been trying to eviscerate the organization, this, the, the, the see, bureau. This is, this is what Americans don't get. They believe that Mr. Trump is a populist. But the only thing he ever seems to talk about that has anything to do with perhaps helping the bulk of people in the United States is trying to expand jobs. However, those jobs don't pay a wage that's livable for most people in this country. They haven't paid a wage that's livable for most people in this country for 40 years, and they have not expanded in terms of how much people are getting paid with the tax cut. The tax cut was directed to the rich, right? Oh, yeah. They put out a, uh, a new power plan, which in the, the text of the power plan says 1,500 people will be killed because we're going to relax regulations on emissions from coal plants. Collateral damage. Collateral damage to allow the yeah. utilities to save $700 million. Yeah. So here's another example. So Ms. Craninger um, has, as uh, a professor of consumer law at Notre Dame says, has no qualifications for the job. She has no experience in consumer finance. She has no experience in consumer protection or any relevant subject matter. So she's a perfect Trump appointee in Correct. I mean, she's, yeah. just, she's just like 90% of the Trump appointees. They have no expertise in the field in which they're appointed. 
Um, but worse is that she believes her role there is to make sure that regulations don't harm businesses. Now, but what's interesting is that a lot of the people who Trump appoints end up not doing the, what he wants them to do. He ends up having to fire them or gets into fights with them. Like he, he's in this, he's just quite a fight going on right now between Trump and Jeff well, Sessions, I, you know? Uh, yeah, so, but a lot of the people <laughs> who've left the administration leave the administration for reasons like Pruitt and Price for corruption. Uh, Pruitt was doing exactly what Trump wanted at the EPA, and so is his sure. replacement. So sure. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. Well, you're, it's, you're right. It's, it's in some cases, not all. But, now, but eventually, they'll show up at the Trump Foundation because yeah. I'm sure the Trump Foundation will be looking for some. Well, to, 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 un, to underscore Kreniger's uh, complete lack of any qualifications for this uh, position, uh, turn to uh, Senator Liz Warren. Elizabeth Warren is, uh, you know, at, you know, grilling her during the hearing and. And I wish I had an audio clip of this. I'll just read, the, read you the quote uh, from ABC News. She says, I asked over and over under oath, and all I got was dodgeball. Mm. I like that reference. For every Republican who spoke out against the policy of separating mothers and their babies at the border, they should be willing to vote no to give a giant promotion to the woman who oversaw that well, so she, she didn't oversee the policy. In fact, she wouldn't tell Elizabeth Warren what exactly she did. Well, that's, she was that's, involved that's the problem. She to should. some degree with the budgeting and the implementation of the policy. Um, but she refused to answer how much involved she was in terms of the formulation right. of the policy. And again, that's, that's, that's a different area of work than what she would be doing with the Bureau. Right, but highly related but, to the Consumer Protection right. Bureau that she's going to run right, right. Is, is running the family separation program at the border. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. you know, let, let's look at, 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 some of what we, at some of what we know about the payday lenders because the payday lenders tend to aggregate right outside the um, – the gates into our military bases. And the, the, there is a separate military lending law, which the government is supposed to be applying here. And the Defense Department went back and found out that the average payday borrower pays back $827 on a $340 loan. Right. And these are short-term loans. Right. That is over, it, it's almost 300% right. interest in a loan that lasts less than a year. I believe the official term is gouging. It's loan sharking. Yeah. Right. Okay? You could, actually, you'd be better off with a loan shark. You'd be better off borrowing from the mob <laughs> than borrowing from these payday lenders. Right. But these payday lenders have Mick Mulvaney in, his, in their pocket. They've given right. him money for his And again, ironically, campaign. this is the agency that was, a, that was set up in order to protect people from that sort of thing. Right. Well, and let's look at another agency where, uh, once again, I would ask the American people, what exactly is this administration doing that's supposed to help you? Yeah. So Betsy DeVos is um, involved in the other scam, or another scam, forget Trump University scam, well, but another scam, yeah. which is the for-profit um, universities yeah, that are continued online. efforts to privatize public education. Well, besides this, and, and, and uh, right. obviously voucherize well, pub, yeah, you know, public education. It's, it's but, you know, DeVos is involved in this whole issue of, like, these law schools that are online – that their graduates don't ever get a job. And, you know, part of the Department of Education's mandate was to make sure that those things would come out so that you would be making some kind of informed choice. Mm -hmm. But, of course, she surrounded herself with shills from the, that very industry, um, and they don't want the graduation rates, and they don't want the job rates out there. And she claims that they're going to put up together some overarching thing in which every university in the United States is going to be out right. there giving the same information. But um, everyone's pretty clear that what they're going to do, of course, is protect these sham universities. And because what some of these places do I, and, is that they in, fact, they, in fact, hire their own uh, graduates – to jobs at the university to say that they're employed the year after that they graduate, when in fact they're not employed in the field that you know they they went to the university or the law school for. Yeah. So um, that's your government working for you. Yeah. Well. Yes, our government working against us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So hey, folks, I want to take a second to uh, thank some of the uh, local businesses that helped make this program possible. Thanks to uh, Gateway Marketing Cafe, where. Uh, where they've got a great uh, catering service, also uh, a grocery store, of course, and they are open for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Uh, thanks also to Hawk Restaurant of the East Village, where 90% of the food served comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. 
Thanks to uh, Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. Give them a shot for all your tax and accounting needs. Thanks also to Ritual Cafe at 13th Street and Locust in downtown Des Moines. Uh, fair trade coffee, fair trade tea, and a full line of vegetarian menu items. Thanks to uh, Catering by Sid, where Sid Cohn offers a lot of food uh, served, uh, raised, uh, purchased from local sources, and every catering arrangement is custom made. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic in uh, Story County, of course, uh, where Dr. Kim Holding has been servicing large and small animals alike for over 30 years. And thanks to uh, Sergeant's Garage at 6th and College in Des Moines where they've been uh, working on uh, foreign and domestic vehicles since uh, 1997. Sergeant's Garage. And finally, thanks to uh, Bold Iowa. Bold Iowa, a local nonprofit in the state of Iowa, working to uh, address climate change, water quality, uh, and issues of eminent domain. That's boldiowa.com. All right, so back to our conversation with, uh, with Charles here. Um, one more question about the... Uh, the um, the uh, appointment of um, or the nomination of uh, Kreninger to the uh, to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and then let's move on. We got uh, more to talk about today. You said that uh, the bureau has already returned seven hundred and fifty million to consumers who were wronged by some element of the financial sector. Was that um, how much of that was during the Obama years? I mean, we're talking about between probably '09 and today. How much of that was in the Obama years? Has 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 anything at all, as much at all, been returned to the consumers? No, because, during the Trump era. No, because in fact there were a number of very high-profile um, investigations that were ongoing when President Trump took office, all of which were shut down by Mulvaney, uh, including against one particularly so just lender online. They were already in progress, and right, he shut and them he down. He shut them down. Wow. Well, remember, Mulvaney asked yeah. for no money for the for the bureau in the last budget, <laughs> claiming he had ample ample money. Well, now, yeah. and interestingly, today, in, in, in fact, was announced that the person who was the ombudsman for CFPB, CFPB student loan division uh, quit, sending a uh, letter to Mulvaney and to the president saying that you're doing nothing. Well, maybe we ought to privatize uh, uh, at public education, Charles, because apparently there's one student in Florida who is just too darn smart. Uh, <laughs> this this t- this ten uh, year old kid. He was seventeen, but there was a, there was seventeen. A, there was a nine year old who was also able to get on. But basically, they were at some sort of like DefCon, you know, I don't, I don't know Comic Con, DefCon, but they were at some sort of um, computer get together. I think it was in Florida, in which they were having a contest to see how quickly. Uh, they could hack into a replica of the internet site for Florida. And this is a pretty accurate replica? Yes. Same security, exactly. How do they pull that off? Um, Well, because they they know how this... Because this is not an accounting site. This is a reporting site. But remember, actually hacking into the reporting site can be more useful to you if you're trying to change change, the You can change the numbers, yeah. You can change the numbers without really having to do as much work as changing the votes. Right. Right. And... Um, basically, the 17-year-old wrote an article saying, well, number one, he's not even a good hacker to start with. <laughs> All he had to do was go to Google to find the code to allow him to get into that site, this replica site, and he did it within 10 minutes and then was able to change vote totals. Really? Yeah, and the 9-year-old took a little bit longer. <laughs> okay, so this is scary. It is scary. Now, yeah. let, let, let's give some background to how horrendous our, our election infrastructure and just our election structure is. So um, I believe it was two years ago, um, this Alliance for Election Integrity got about 200 experts together to look at various facets of uh, election structure, election law, et cetera, in the Western democracies. And out of that panel of things they looked at, you could score 100 as your best score. The United States came in dead last at 62. Out of how many nations? Uh, there was 27, I believe. Number one was Denmark and Finland at 86. Now, to some degree, that number reflects that all these experts feel that elections, if you're in a democracy, should be resulting in proportional representation, which right. is which we don't have. Which we don't have. Yeah. And and this is the great fallacy for all your 
you know, all you originalists out there. The Constitution is not a democratic document. The Constitution is a republic grafted onto a democracy and is actually meant to tamp down the fervor of the crowd it is not a democratic Right. We have to remember that the, right. the, the, the union was founded by some pretty rich guys. Well, who were concerned about the masses. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, right. And, and remember, didn't believe women were equal, didn't believe the slaves were equals. But the whole point is, is that we have a situation right now in the United States in which 50 Republicans control the Senate. They represent only 18% of the American population. We have a situation where the Democrats, to take the House would have to get 8% more votes than the Republicans nationally to be able to get a majority. Because of gerrymandering. Because of gerrymandering. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. And okay. it's worse in some right, states. Right. Okay, so, so, so... Okay, well, let's, well let's, let's go further. All right. You've got a Secretary of State who's running for the Georgia governorship who has not recused himself from running the election. Okay? So what happens... <laughs> no conflict of interest right, there. No different than what happened in Ohio a number of years ago. Right. All right? So how do you affect the election? You close down polling places like they tried to do in Randolph County in Georgia, which they were not able to do. Um, all of a sudden, the machines don't work on college campuses or in places where uh, high African-American populations are. Right. Um, but, but now, now you, you've, okay, just, so, just to, so the point is our elections right. are unfair anyway, but security of our elections And, and so are our primaries, some would argue. Right. Argue. The machines that most of us are using were paid for by the federal government. The states got money from the federal government in 2002. Through the, uh, the, uh, the Help America Vote Act. Right. Uh, unfortunately, Mayo's machines can no longer be updated. You know, anybody who has a computer knows that if you have a 2002 program, they don't support updates on the security of those programs. 17 states have no paper trail, which means there is no way to audit. In fact, the Congress was set to pass, or at least consider and likely pass because it was a bipartisan bill, a bill to protect the elections upcoming, and the White House shut it down. Yeah. And one of the things they were going to mandate was you had to have an audible paper trail. A now, pa paper trail that one could audit after right, the fact. Because right. you have okay. to do – and that's what happens. In Iowa, there is a paper trail. So the point would be you, you <clears> have to go back and say – take a statistical sample of the voters, get the paper trail, and say – do these things match up? Does my computer total match up with my paper audit trail within a reasonable you know, percentage? 17 states can't even do that, which means if someone could get into their website to some change the some numbers nine year, online. Some nine-year-old from Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And change the numbers online on the tally site, so how, how, we would never know. How do we have any confidence at all that that doesn't happen on a regular basis? We don't. We don't. So we know, in fact, it likely does. How is this even? Con I mean, why? Okay, so we are we're all concerned about the Russians, and we should be. But it looks like the worst problem is right here in our own country with our with the with the election system, the voting system we've chosen. That's correct. Or we uh, that, well, maybe I shouldn't say we've chosen that we've been forced to accept. Yeah, I mean with variations from state to state, but in some states where there there's no assurance that your vote matters. And, uh, you know, that is one of the reasons why the United States has one of the lowest voter participation rates in the world, because there's right. a lot of people out and, there who feel just that way. Yeah. Well, and that, but that was, that was the case before 2002, before the Help America Vote Act. Right. Before the, we instituted these reforms. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now, just to diverge a little bit here, but not much, um, the last go around in the Democratic primary, there were lots of allegations that... The, uh, the the primary system itself had been corrupted in favor of Hillary Clinton. That's correct. Well, I mean, the whole do, caucus do, do, do you the whole caucus system is ridiculous. Well, no, and beyond it's, the caucus system, I mean, right. but the the uh, closing of polling places in Arizona to force people to stand in line for hours, um, the mm. uh, the requirement in New York that you had to have uh, have had to have change registration from independent to Democrat, like I can't remember how ridiculously long ahead. Of time, mm -hmm. things like that, all over the place, variations on, on voter suppression within the Democratic primary. Right. Comments? Well, no, I, I mean, it's I, not just I, Republicans I who are who are who are messing with our electoral election, election system. No, I understand that, um, but I, but I would say that there wasn't any question that the system was rigged for Hillary Clinton to win. I think everyone would agree with that, and that got us Donald Trump. That's correct. <laughs> and uh, with the current status of our voting system and the machines that uh, don't have any 
you know, backup, uh, paper backup system that you can audit. You know, you know, and you, you gave some interesting numbers, too, on what the, the for example, the 8% more votes that Democrats would need to regain control in the House. Right. I mean, we're, look, we're looking at a... At basically insurmountable hurdles. I mean, I don't want to cast too much despair on this conversation. I think, you know, I would say they're not insurmountable, but they're hurdles that are going to require incredible public backlash and deep public participation to a level that Americans aren't normally accustomed to exhibiting. Well, the other thing, too, that's made this situation even worse is the fact that we've had a series of presidential elections in which exit polling has not fit the results. And we, instead of asking the question of why is it that all of a sudden in the United States exit polling is not commensurate with the results, we've gone the other way, which is to say, well, these are the things that polling fails to, to accommodate, and therefore the polling was wrong. And it's allowed something like a close election of Donald Trump to be validated in spite of the fact it looked like, by all polling, he should have lost. And let's just be clear. They thought they were going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They were surprised as anybody that they won. Melania was in tears because he had promised her he wouldn't win. And, you know, we, we talked about this on the show years ago. He was running a Saturday Night Live satire of a campaign. Right, but that's because how. That's, was, that's how. I mean, yeah. Beyond issues of uh, of voting machines that are that that are that are rigged or at least able to be rigged, uh, and all these other problems uh, with our election system. Yeah. Um, it it's a it, it's a statement on just how disenchanted the American public has become with the status quo. Whether it's a, the status quo worn, you know, uh, the hat worn by a Democrat or Republican, and um, that's not, you know, that's that's understandable and that's reasonable. If if you're dissatisfied with the status quo, then you're then you are paying attention. But uh, if your response to that dissatisfaction is to stay home, not participate, give up, uh, then that's exactly what the folks who have um, benefited from the status quo want to hear. Right. No, I mean, that, that is the problem, because um, it, it, I can understand people being discouraged. I can understand people being nihilistic and saying, what's the point? They're just going to change the results to what they want. And, you know, again, it gets back to the conspiratorial and paranoid view of politics that's very characteristic of America. In fact, very unique to America in many ways. Um, you know, this whole deep state thing, it's all, it's all a piece of the same. You know, that everything that is fungible on a computer can be changed mm. and can be changed in a way that we would never <clears throat> find out. So, honestly, in terms of security, safety, convenience even, we're better off with just straight-up paper ballots. Yeah. yeah. What's the big deal that you don't know who the president is till the next day? What if you had to wait till the end of the week? Yeah. When we run elections truth, in Iraq, yeah. what did we do? We had paper ballots, and everybody got their thumb blue stamp to say it already voted. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Go back to mechanical machines. You know, they can be rigged to some degree, too. I mean, you know, look at slot machines. But, um, <laughs> you know, sure, go back to paper. Yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what you're creating, yeah. right? You have computers creating a paper trail. It's paper. Yeah. Well, uh, Charles, you just made my, my day. <laughs> yeah, there are, there, there, are, there are big challenges in the world, folks. We have to keep staying engaged, keep staying involved, keep focusing. Uh, remember, you know, I mean, I, I look at my own Irish background, and uh, we were under the heel of Great Britain for 600 years, and, yeah, a lot of people gave up. Some didn't, and in the end, uh, in 1922, the Irish won their independence. So so there. Stay active, stay so focused. So the arc of history is long. The arc of history is long, sometimes way beyond what you can actually see in your lifetime. But stay focused, and I think in this case, things are going to move faster than than um, we sometimes think, and hopefully in the right direction. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. All right. So hey, I want to take a second again to recognize the uh, folks here at Lorena, 1260 AM, for thank them for providing this uh, studio for this program. If you're, um, 
If you're uh, on Facebook, you can always catch the first uh, segment of this program on our live stream. You can hear the uh, podcast available on the Fallon Forum website. That's FallonForum.com. You can also subscribe to the program through either iTunes or Stitcher. And, of course, go to Facebook, Fallon Forum, and like our Facebook page because everybody does that sort of thing. All right, so um, if you are listening on our community-owned station, stick around. Back to the uh, Fallon Forum. So, um, in the uh, kind of a incredible lawsuit that uh, the pipeline company and Energy Transfer Partners filed against um, a bunch of organizations, uh, that would be Greenpeace, um, Earth First, uh, BankTrack, and a whole a lot of other smaller groups like Bold Iowa who are named in the suit. Uh, we, we've been kind of waiting to see what happens with this. This is um, commonly known as a slap lawsuit, a suit intended to silence opposition. And you never quite know how they're going to turn out. But the um, the judge in in uh, North Dakota, the uh, district uh, federal district judge, um, he uh, ruled uh, Wilson. His name is. He ruled uh, that that ETP had no case against Banktrack. He also has now ruled this past week that there's no case against Earth First. And we expect that he might make the same decision relevant to Greenpeace. And this is all over the allegations that these groups um, ended up costing energy transfer partners lots of money um, by fighting the pipeline and by lying uh, about the safety of the pipeline. Uh, You know, ETP argues that the pipeline is wonderful, it's safe, it's beautiful. And that this um, this opposition is um, is is misguided. So um, <clears throat> this is actually pretty big news. Well, it may have some relevance to what happens here in Iowa. Because oh yeah. Obviously, yeah. if the Supreme Court in Iowa should rule should rule that um, the land was taken illegally and that the pipeline needs to be shut down, it wouldn't surprise me if they would go with the same idea of trying to uh, get compensation from the various organizations involved in the suit. Um, well, right, right, now the, the, right now the lawsuit is not going energy transfer partners' way. Right. Two of the primary targets have been kicked out. Mm-hmm. Again, likely to see Greenpeace. And after that, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what they do with the smaller organizations like Bold Iowa, who are also named in it. Well, now, I guess one question I have is, energy transfer partners is actually not a U.S. corporation. Is that correct? It's it is. Cana- it's based in Texas. Oh, it's based in Texas. Okay. Right. I thought that they were Canadian. Um, Enbridge. Enbridge. Okay. <clears throat> because, you know, it's one of the interesting facets of various trade agreements we have, or we had, because who knows what trade agreements we have now, is that, um, and that was one of the problems with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, was that companies in the TPP could actually sue and get compensation if the ecological laws of a nation caused their uh, company to suffer. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see where this goes. This is an interesting lawsuit. Um, mm-hmm. A couple other things uh, we want to talk about before we wrap up the program here. Um, the uh, Pope just visited Ireland. Uh, I know this and because... And why is this the first time in 40, 50 years that the Pope has been there? Been to Ireland? Yeah. That's a big world. He's got a lot of ground to cover. And, you know, the last time he visited Ireland, I was there. That was 1979. Same year okay. that he came to Iowa. Yeah. No. But he's uh, yeah he, he came he, he my 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 one of my cousins sent me a picture of uh, him in the cavalcade in uh, in um, uh, Knock in Western Iowa, Western Ireland, but um, you know this is uh, even as allegations come out that he knew about one priest who was accused of uh, of uh, sexual assault. Of, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I can't remember the details off the top of my head, but uh, yeah the the Pope apparently knew about this. Um, and put him through treatment, or accept the. I, again, I don't know the details, but the the um, the problem is that he's being accused now of not having done what he should have done and should be doing more now. And this is at a time when, despite the church having done a lot, the Catholic Church having done a lot to address um, its problems with uh, with uh, priests who you know commit assault. Um, there, you know, well, more, well, more, well, more, who, more is in, coming out all in the time. Whose view did they do a lot? Well, lots come out about it. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't I, say I would. I, I think the problem is the church hasn't done enough to address it. 
Right. Um, but they've had to adjust because it's been so it's been it's been so uh, the 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 public backlash has been so intense, and the and the backlash within the church has been intense. And so, you know, um, where it goes, I, again, I don't, I, I overall, I like I like this book, but um, I think if he has played a role in enabling or ignoring a in, an abusive priest, that should be dealt with. He should deal with that. I don't, I don't know. Well, where I that's mean, go. you know, you obviously have some. <clears throat> You have more skin in this game than I do. Yes, I was. Uh, I was from a town where there were two Catholic churches, and it was the other church that had the sexual, the the, the sexual deviant priest. Uh, I lucked out. Well, what do you <laughs> what do you see as a solution to the Catholic Church's abuse problem? Um, ending celibacy is, would, would be helpful, okay, which would be obviously a huge <laughs> doctrinal change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's not that, you, you can't say you can't say that's the only problem, but but. Um, I mean, a big part of the problem is you've got an institution that's uh, where there's a heck of a lot of respect and reverence for it, and uh, so people don't want to rock them. They don't want to. Um, they don't want to do anything to to disturb the uh, what, what appears to be a very iconic and, and and revered, you know, institution. And the same thing could be said of college football teams. <laughs> you know, I mean, this stuff. <clears throat> similar stuff happens. I mean, look at uh, I'm blanking which 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 Ohio school it was um, Pennsylvania Pen- Pennsylvania State. No, it was Ohio State had the uh, Urban Meyer thing. No, recently. and then Penn Pen- uh, Oh, Penn State. State with, yeah, Penn State right. also. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, we 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 look the other way because those programs, and in this case, the church is so revered that we don't want to uh, we don't want to we don't want to imagine that anything could have gone wrong, anything this horrible could have well, happened. But the thing the thing I don't totally understand <clears throat> is that the the church has always straddled. This sort of secular versus religious line, right? I mean, the papacy was a very secular actor uh, throughout its history. And um, at what point does this move out of the realm of in the church? I mean, these are these are rapes. This should be right. this should be tried. As a civil, yes. secular matter. Well, and the grand jury, a grand jury has been involved in that. Uh, and this uh, one priest, uh, Father Tom, Thomas Smith, um, this is back in 1990, he wrote to his bishop, uh, thanking him for meeting with him and expressing appreciation for the bishop's faith in him and his quest to return to the active, active ministry. Uh, this is a priest, Smith, who had been accused of, uh, of, of many uh, acts of assault, abuse, and rape. Um, while in treatment, this is again back in the 90s and whatnot, Smith had told counselors that he'd raped 15 young boys, some as young as seven, and that he threatened them with violence if they told uh, anyone about it. And uh, Smith had been in treatment at three different occasions, once in 1984, again in 86, again in 87, and every time he is returned to the parish, you know, a different parish. And every time... It happens again. Well, I, th- I think that's been the issue, which is, uh, you know, if you're a sex offender in the non-religious world, you may end up on a, a list right. in which everybody in your neighborhood knows that you are living in that neighborhood. Yeah. And yet these the, the church has seemed to treat these uh, aberrancies and then move them to a yeah. different parish. And, and, again, and that, yeah. that's why the other issue here is at what point do the higher-ups take – Fall on the sword. Well, and that's that's a that's a question that the Pope may have to be wrestling with recently. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so the, uh, the I I think it's good. Like you said, it is it is a secular matter. Um, you know these these alt, these altar boys and other boys who were raped, assaulted, harassed. They 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 aren't part of the church. Uh, they they have no official standing. Um, now the grand jury um, found that uh, three hundred and one priests had committed crimes, these kinds of crimes, and there were more than 1,000 victims, but it noted that there were undoubtedly a lot more. Um, yeah, and the question, you know, how did the church keep all this uh, criminal activity? It is criminal activity. How do, they, how do they manage to conceal it for so long? You know? And that's, that's the question I'm asking. That. Well, I guess, and, you know, this hasn't come up in all the coverage of this. Who pays the money? Where does the money come from when they pay these families off yeah 
I mean, they, I, they, a, sec, a second. Are they, uh, are they second. writing it off like Trump wrote off his paying off the I, guy I, who I, didn't I, pay I, the eight, hole in one tournament? I can see the priest saying, "And we have a second collection today to pay <laughs> off the uh, to pay off the family of the." Uh, so they have a separate legal fund. <laughs> yeah, right. Sort of a legal fund. Yeah. Well, but, that, our... but that, you know, I do think that you know everyone in the United States does, in some sense, have some skin in this game because yeah. religious institutions in this country, and I think. I'm totally against it, but this is the way it's been. You know, uh, money you pay to religious institutions is tax deductible. So essentially the government and every taxpayer in the United States is supporting religious institutions, which seems to me to to give us some say over how – not doctrinal say in terms of their beliefs, but certainly when this moves into the the secular world and the the world of of crime, we should have some say as to how they handle this. Yeah. Well, when you start challenging the tax-exempt status of churches, then you really run into a, a brick wall, uh, as I discovered as a legislator years ago. Um. Oh, I know. I understand. <laughs> I understand. It, you know, and then it, the, the tax-exempt status, of course, goes to the issue of how much political advocacy is actually being done yeah. from pulpits under the guise well, of religion. And here's part of the problem. You know, the uh, the um, the uh, church put together, uh, you know, some, some uh, you know, some documents that describe the problem, um, and then and they they employed these euphemisms for sexual assault, uh, according to this article, quote referring to the crime not as rape but as inappropriate contact or boundary issues, mm-hmm. or in one case um, they refer referred to the priest who had repeatedly violated, you know, children sexually, as quote his difficulties. I mean. Yeah, of course you're not going to get to the bottom of the problem if you just gloss over it. I mean, difficulties, really? Oh, gosh, and 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 it's all. And, and notice that the, the the focus is not on the victim, but on the perpetrator, which is, um, I mean, again, part of the church's problem. So I don't know, you know, I don't know whether the Pope is going to be able to address this. Um, and now that we see that, you know, that he may be at least. You know, not not involved, not not responsible for any kind of a, an assault, but at least uh, aware of and maybe culpable in in not holding accountable a priest who was. So I, I don't know, but um, the church clearly has a lot more work to do. Yeah, and again, they're probably even more corrupt in this domain than Penn or Penn State or uh, Ohio State football teams. It, it would appear <laughs> to be. Yeah. All right, uh, Charles Goldman with me here in the studio, folks. This is Ed Fallon, your host. Uh, saying have a great week from the Fallon Forum.